While Michael was being interviewed at the station, Sedale had been left alone for almost an hour. At some point, he lays his head down on the table and falls asleep. If Michael looked nervous, Sedale looked like a deer caught in headlights. He can't even make eye contact with the investigators, and for most of the interview, he stares down at the table while he gives them details. He's nervously shaking, and at times he looked like he might start to cry. I'm certainly no expert, but my takeaway from both Sedale and Michael's interviews was that these guys were genuinely shocked, and they had no inside information as to what happened to their friend Jessica. But as I watched the interviews of both of them, particularly Sedale, with his inability to make eye contact, I can't help thinking that in the hands of the wrong investigator, they could come to some conclusions just based off of his demeanor. That's why it's important that we're careful not to put too much weight on how someone acts right after a traumatic event, because everybody acts differently. Was um, this for a good friend of yours? How long did you know her for? Since July. How'd, how'd you meet her? At a party. Okay. And I understand you were dating, I guess, her friend? Yeah. Quita? You met them at the same time? No, or? I, I worked with Quila and Mike. Okay, so you guys worked together at UPS? At Walmart. Oh, I'm sorry, at Walmart? Um, yeah. yeah. And um, then you met, did you meet Jessica through Quita, I guess? Yeah. figure out who did this to her, okay? But we need you guys' help to try to, try to send this in the right direction. Okay? You want to do that? Yeah. Okay. The, since July, how many times do you think you were over at Jessica's house? You've been going over there. Yeah, he's been sort of out of the picture. Yeah. Okay. And has Mike been sort of dating uh, Jessica? Last couple of weeks, yeah. Okay. And how long have you and Quita been dating? Or seen each other? I don't know if you call it dating. Oh, since July. Okay. The, tell me what happened today. What, walk me through your day today. What time, uh, do you, did you spend the night last night at your house? Yeah. Okay. And where's your house? On 103rd, uh-huh, Monroe Smith. Okay. And what time do you get up today? I got up at 1 o'clock. And what do you do? I took a shower, got up, left, and went to Square House. Okay. Not Guida? Uh-huh. Okay. And how long do you stay at this girl's house? Till 5 something. Okay. 6 something. That's something that you guys that you planned on doing yeah. earlier, or did you have to? Did, did you ask to come over there? 
All right, did somebody call you? Yes. Who called you? Mike and Jessica. Called you sometime before five or six o'clock mm -hmm. and said, why don't you come over to hang out? Yeah. Okay. So you get over there, and when you get there, who all's there? <coughs> Just Jessica. Okay. And then who comes next? Right. And then who? Queen. Okay. And what do you guys do? We sit there and talk, and then me and Mike had a went back to my house. Okay. What time was that that you and Mike go to back to your house? Oh, 6, 11. What time? At 6, 11. 11 minutes after 6? Yeah. Okay. How do you know it was 6, 11? Because I remember I pulled up, because I, I pulled up and it was 6, 11. Okay. And what do you guys go to your house for? To wait for somebody. Who's that? To buy some weed. Okay. So you guys bought some weed? Yeah. Okay. And do you go back over there? Yeah. All right. Do you guys buy, is it like a nickel bag, a nine bag, or is it like, like a big quantity of weed? Um, how big, how much weed? I really can't tell you. I mean, so the, so how much did it cost? Tell me that. Uh, $35. Okay, $35 bag of weed. Yeah. Okay, so that's not a whole lot of weed. No. Okay. So, you you guys buy the weed. Do you go back to Jessica's house? Yeah. Okay. And then what do y'all do? We just sit there and... And they went and got something to eat. Who? Jessica and Quill. Okay, where'd they go? Popeyes. Okay, they bring it back? Yeah. Okay. And when they go to get something to eat, what do you and Michael do? We smoke Smoke the weed. You smoke a blunt? Yeah. Okay. And then what happened? We went back inside. And then that's when Jessica and Quill came back. Okay, and then what happened? And we ate. Mm -hmm. I went in one room with Quita and he went double way with Jessica. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and me and Quita had fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Then we got in a little fight. Mm -hmm. And she left. And then Mike and Jessica was in a the room, then Mike was cooking some noodles. Mm -hmm. And then that's when Quita came back and I was eating some noodles too. Okay. And then Quita had left. And then I left about 20 minutes after her. Okay. About what time did Quita leave? Probably like 1 o'clock. What, what were y'all doing right before Quita left? We was watching TV. Where? In Jessica's sister room. Did you ever go to Jessica's room? Yes. For what? Oh, we was watching on um, 23. 23? Yeah. Movie? Oh. Okay. And then what? So you left at 1 o'clock? Uh, not exactly at 1 o'clock. What, what are you shaking like that for? Because why? Jessica's gone. Mm-hmm. What happened next? First, I stopped at the gas station, then I went home. Mm -hmm. And then Mike called me from his phone. And he said, Somebody hurry, come back. She just got shot. And then his phone broke up or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I tried to call him back, see what he was playing on that. Mm -hmm. Then he called from Jessica's phone and told me she got shot. 
a drown. Okay? What's it going to be? Because there's some inconsistencies here. And there's some obvious inconsistencies here. Okay? Now, I know we look young, but this is not by far our first rodeo ride, okay? Okay? So, you need to understand something at this point. Sedale don't need to become an accessory to murder. Now, the way you over there shaking and all that stuff, that ain't because you're worried about the fact that Jessica's gone there. I'm not minimizing the fact that you were hurt over your friend being gone. I'm not minimizing that at all. But I'm telling you, from our experience, there's some stuff that you are leaving out. There's some inconsistencies in the story. And you come straight now, or we come straight later. Because we're going to go and verify everything you told us. You see how much I wrote down on this piece of paper, right? What I write down? I ain't wrote down nothing other than your name, right? And, and the fact that I read you right, right? Okay. okay. That's because I want to make sure that I get the, the truth from you before I write down anything. We can forget any, any lies or anything you left out before this and start a, a clean slate. But you got to take that step. If you're not willing to take that step, then we're just simply not going to care about you. Okay? Should, should we care about you? Yeah. Are you a bad guy? No. Okay. Do you need to be charged criminally in this in no. Jessica's death? No. Do you have anything that you need to add to your story? No. Look at me. Is there anything you're leaving out? Because I understand something. We're going to verify everything from talking to Shakita to going back to the gas station where you're supposed to got gas. The whole nine yards. We're going to verify. Oh, video? How'd you pay for your gas? cell phone records. You understand that your cell phone can tell can tell us exactly where you are standing at any time of any day. Okay. And it's gonna show that when you get that phone call from him you're where? At your house? Yes. Okay. You certain you're telling us the truth. Huh. And that's not the part that I'm doubting that you was at your house. My concern is that you guys have gotten your story together. Well, that's just what happened. And that's what you were told would happen because you wasn't there. You're just like the, the, the Detective Chisick and I. You was not there. So you're, 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 everything that you're telling us is based on what someone else told you. And my question to you before we walk out of this room, have they told you anything else that we need to know about? No. Have you ever seen Mike with a gun? No. Have you ever seen Jessica with a gun? Yeah. Okay. And when did you see her with a gun? Uh, at this party. What kind of gun was it? I think it was the same one she had. She, she carried it? How did she carry Not, it? She didn't carry it, carry it with She had it with her. How did she have it with her? It was in her purse. Okay. Was there any problems between Mike and Jessica? No. Is there any reason that you know that Mike would want to hurt her? No. Right. What you're telling us before we leave this room better be the truth. Is there anything that you need to change out of your story? This is the, this is the only time after this Evidence shows something else. It's, it's goodbye, Sadell. Anything you need to tell us? The times might be changing. What about the time? The time when I don't know the exact time, but I say it's around like two o'clock. Okay. I'm not worried about okay. you being exact with times. I'm, I'm asking about Jessica 
Green's death, is there anything that you need to change about what happened? You positive? Positive. Okay, so we got to come back and put you in jail because you lied. Don't look all hard on us and, and, and blame us for it. All right? If you lied, it's on you. Understand that? Okay. You're okay with it. I'm okay with it. Sit tight. At this point, the investigator decided to review Jessica's boyfriend Anton's jail phone calls. The investigator found that Antoine and Jessica had several arguments on those calls that occurred the week prior to her murder. Three calls, three days in a row. In the first call, they were arguing about Jessica not wanting to be in that house alone. In the second call, Antoine spoke with a male, probably his brother, and he said he was, quote, out $290 and his chunk was gone. I'm not sure what the chunk referred to, but I'm guessing they weren't talking about cheese. The next call was the day after that, and it was another argument between Jessica and Antoine about how she couldn't afford the house and the bills anymore. The investigator then went to the jail to check the visitor log. He learned that Antoine could only have visitors once a week on Friday, and according to the log, Jessica visited on August 17th and the 24th, both times for about two hours. She had apparently skipped the Friday visit right before she was murdered, five days before, to be exact. The investigator then left the jail and met another detective at the scene, where they canvassed the area, but unfortunately, no helpful information was gleaned from the neighbors. Next, the investigator learned that there had been an argument over the phone earlier in the evening the night that Jessica was murdered. He called and spoke to Sedale, who told him that Jessica had gotten a call and he remembered her saying, I didn't know he was a drug dealer, and I didn't set him up. The investigator was curious about that call, so he went down to the property room, and he checked out Jessica's phone. It was dead, so he purchased a power cord, and after charging the phone, he learned that someone had called Shakita at 147 and 149 from Jessica's phone. Sedale's number was also dialed from her phone at 145 and 148 a.m. So that's a flurry of four calls in succession. So basically, someone's calling from Jessica's phone, first Sedale at 1.45, then Shakita two minutes later, then Sedale again one minute after that, and then Shakita again one minute later. All of this aligned with what he had heard from the witnesses, Shakita, Sedale, and Michael. There was nothing in any of their stories that seemed wildly out of place or conflicting. Those flurry of calls were made by Sedale after the shooting when he was trying to get a hold of his friends. The investigator continued looking at Antoine and listened to more of his jail calls. In one of the calls he reviewed, Antoine was trying to get Jessica to write a letter on the domestic violence case and tell the judge that she lied about him hitting her. That call ended with an argument, and Antoine's mother hung up the phone. It was at this point that the detective learned that in order to communicate with Jessica, Antoine would have to call his mother first and then have his mother call Jessica's phone because the phone system at the jail didn't allow inmates to call cell phones. Around this same time, the investigator received an offense report about an incident that had occurred at Jessica's house a couple days after Jessica was murdered. Her mother had called police because an unknown male showed up at the house and said he wanted Jessica's cell phone. He left prior to police arriving but for some reason had left his cell phone number with a neighbor. 
A patrol officer obtained that number and filed a report. So the detective on Jessica's case called the number, and the man who answered was Antoine's brother. He said he did go to the house, but he was looking for Antoine's phone, not Jessica's. He apologized for causing an issue and said that he had not meant to scare her mother. My only question about that incident is why is he showing up and asking for Antoine's phone now? His brother has been in jail for a month. Interestingly, about an hour after the call with Antoine's brother, the detective received a call from Antoine's mother. She said that her son had just learned about Jessica's death from another inmate and was very upset and crying. Probably because he had Jessica's phone now and knew about the incoming calls, he asked Antoine's mother about the argument that Jessica had had over the phone with someone on the evening prior to the homicide. She had talked to Jessica late that afternoon, but she said they didn't argue. She said they just spoke about her visit with Antoine and that Jessica did not talk to her about any problems or issues. It seems as though the detective thought that that argument that Sedale had overheard was likely Jessica speaking to Antoine's mother. I didn't know he was a drug dealer, and I didn't set him up. These would certainly fit into a conversation where Jessica was defending herself about the altercation that led to Antoine's recent arrest. Still slogging through more of the jail phone calls, the investigator learns that Antoine had made a phone call to a bail bondsman two days after the homicide, and it was at that time that he asked about a murder at his house. Antoine said that he heard about the incident from another inmate, despite what his mother had said about him just learning about it five days later. He actually learned about it two days after the homicide. He asked the bail bondsman to call Jessica's grandfather. The recording includes the bondsman calling Jessica's family and confirming that she had been killed, and then Antoine begins to cry and drops the phone. There's another call the next day. Antoine is speaking to a male, and he says Jessica, quote, must have done something because there wasn't anything at the house. This call is on the 8th, Saturday, the same day that Antoine's brother showed up at the house asking for the phone. So it's possible that he was the male in both calls, and that he had gone to Jessica's house to ask for the phone in an effort to do a little investigating of his own. Perhaps the anything in question was actually drugs, and that's what he was looking for that day when he had showed up. When the investigator finally sits down face-to-face with Antoine, 19 days after the homicide, nothing new is gleaned. He denies having anything to do with drugs and had no idea why anyone would break into the house and shoot Jessica. He did confirm that she owned a handgun and that she had been afraid to stay in the house but he said he didn't know why. The very next entry in the report came from a Crime Stoppers tip. And it is this tip that would focus the investigation in an entirely different direction. Stay tuned. 